0: You're listening to a podcast hosted on The Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com.
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast, from Two Guys Talking Horror.
0: The number 13 has a variety of different connotations. For some, it's positive. I, for example, met my wife, was engaged, got married, had my daughter, and started this podcast all on 13s. A reasonably positive experience all the way around, to be sure. For others, 13 means something... DARKER. Inside this episode of the Curious Goods podcast, we dig into something deep, dark, White and full of spite. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast a retelling, a revisit, and complete detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, season one, episode one
2: The Inheritance.
0: Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, this is a series that you and I have been talking about reviewing, I think, for almost a couple of years now. Yes. And as we begin this podcast with our review of Season 1, Episode 1, we don't usually date things, but because this was a series that launched in 1987, we are going to date this episode, i.e., beginning in the incredibly hot days of August 2018.
2: Yes. Yes. Dog days of summer, my ass. (laughs) The whole summer has been dog days. Yeah,
0: it's incredibly hot here, but it is a perfect environment for a series that really was missed by so many. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why, and it's really why we're doing this series. I want everyone to go and check out our 101 episode that breaks down all the detail about what Nick and I really love about this series, as well as the base foundations of the characters. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we want you to share this series of podcasts with everybody that you know, especially those that never really dug into it or even know about
2: it. Yes, exactly. I
0: I was talking uh, today inside of my workplace about this podcast launch, and I met... People that weren't even born when this series came out. (laughs) So for those that are curious, please do share this. I know that there are people that know nothing about this series, but the way that it is put together, again, I'm not a big horror guy at all. Right, right. But what this series is able to do is to infuse that real horror and like the I can't quite believe what my eyes are seeing into the wrapping of the recovery of these beautiful wonderful antiques that are mm-hmm. just strewn throughout this entire series.
2: And that's the great thing about doing this podcast with you, Mike, is that you're, you are not the horror guy. No,
0: not by a stretch. But
2: this anthology series, it's, it's very different than most anthology it series. Is. Usually yeah. it's just, hey, we're, hey, welcome to this anthology and we're going to tell you a story. And it's not going to have any connection to next week's story or last week's story. No, this is an anthology with reoccurring characters yeah yeah this isn't this is an overarching story about three people doing what they have to do to put basically the evil genie back into the bottle yeah across
0: a variety of different objects too
2: exactly not just bottles of
0: folks what's really funny too is that this series ran for about three years Mm -hmm. and or three seasons rather three seasons and the what's really fun about just taking the tick mark across those three seasons is that as time goes by, you can see that the objects change in what they actually are to meet with some of the times that we're going back on in
1: 87. Mm -hmm, And
0: that's, it's really what I, uh, again, as a child of the eighties, literally having, I graduated in 1988, This is a fun revisit, because I know that when I first started watching this, it would have have probably have been with my dad late at night, because this was a late night series.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, It was not primetime at the beginning of the series launch. And uh, again, I I, I have so many memories of the different things that are introduced, but I know that I have not seen all of these episodes. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be something really special, a complete revisit, and again, a retelling. Uh, Not only of what we remember seeing, but of what we are now seeing, especially as adults, (laughs) inside of this scene. I mean, all of this looks completely different to me now, without question. But, Nick, first, some quick housekeeping. This podcast benefits from editing via the Editor Core. For those of you that have podcasts already, look... We don't have to sugarcoat anything for you guys. You guys know <laughs> that editing podcasts is the least fun part of everything that you do inside of being a podcaster, especially a professional podcaster like Nick and I. Right. And so being able to offload that work into a core of trusted people that know exactly what they are doing, especially with the feedback that you offer to them, mm-hmm. is incredibly important in making sure that you have something professional sounding but more importantly something that someone else is crafting while you're capturing more content. Oh yeah oh yeah and so we want to always stroke the wonderful powers over at the editor core editorcore.com will get you all of your podcasting needs done right now cost effectively, no headaches and continue doing it to make your podcast sore check them out at editorcore.com the podcaster matrix. Nick, I remember a conversation I had with a dude who said that he had to pick only the first 18 podcasts he'd ever made. He's got a couple of hundred, really. Right. And I said, what do you mean you got to pick 18 of your episodes? And he says, well, I, I just I really can't afford to put my entire library of podcasts online with most of the major hosts that are available. yeah. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, we, we went and looked at the pricing, and the pricing is absolutely fair. But again, for those that cannot afford to have a couple of hundred, you know, two, three hundred episodes of a podcast online inside of one of the hosting options, what you really need to do is you need to check out podcastermatrix.com. What you're going to find over there is a great place that you can either just have wide open ranging space for your entire podcast library that won't break the bank or a variety of other services that are going to help market your podcast and find you a bigger audience.
2: Basically Uh, a smorgasbord, a little bit of a a la carte, if you will.
0: It really is. You get to pick how deep you want to go. You get to choose how much money you want to spend. Uh, It's all completely throttleable. So if you want to go uh, better services and more services for a series of months or chalk and down for a month or if you shut your podcast down for a series of months you can take care of all of that you can find all the details about Podcaster Matrix over at podcastermatrix.com tell them that the Curious Goods podcast sent you alright Nick enough housekeeping it's time to jump squarely into our review of Friday the 13th the series season 1 episode 1
2: The Inheritance
0: Nick, the storyline for this episode is very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yep. It all starts on a dark, sultry evening. <laughs> well, I know. I don't know how shocked. sultry it is, but it's definitely <laughs> wet.
2: It's dark and it's stormy. It's moist. The, the night just, was moist. I'm just
0: saying that it's moist.
2: <laughs> the night was damp. It's too damn sultry in here.
0: <laughs> My underarms are moist. <laughs> all right. So anyway, it starts on a deep, dark night. The thunder and lightning are rolling through. We peer back into this old storefront. Throughout the store, what you see are these old knickknacks and antiques everywhere.
2: And this family walks in out of the rain, disturbing who we find out is the owner of the shop, Mm -hmm. Uncle Louis. Uncle
0: Louis, right. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, We don't know that he's Uncle Louis. We just know that he's Louis Vanderdee. Right. He's in a terrible hurry. He, he really has no time for, for customers, even though his, his door does say open.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I would call him frantic,
2: actually. He is very frantic. But evidently, there is a little bit of goodness in his heart because he does allow the, the family, the, the mother, the father, and a small child, they, he allows them to stay right out the storm while he does his inventory.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So Lewis begins his inventory, and as the family is sifting through the wares that are available inside the antique store, the little girl stumbles upon a china-white doll.
2: And this china-white doll is so captivating, she decides she's going to steal it, evidently. <laughs> evidently. I mean, she's just I gonna, mean, why not? She grabs a damn doll and she runs out the back door into the and into the rain, where she's watched by these two random guys working on a car. Hey, little girl, where's your parents? But you know what? This girl, she's a snot. She's a pain in the ass. This is this is this is a spoiled little brat child. She's like, get away from me. Go away. And the doll the doll is alive. The doll starts talking and actually yeah. cuts the throat yeah. of one of these guys.
0: Yeah. And then she takes the doll and runs back inside the store and she is summarily punished by the pseudo mom, not her mom. You're not, not my the mom. mom. My mom's dead. <laughs> yeah. The father gives up and so the family leaves. And then hilarity ensues.
2: So Lewis, uh, very upset that the doll not only was taken but supposedly, evidently drew blood, uh, has evidently had enough. I don't know what he's had enough of. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So he's grabbing a whole bunch of stuff from around the store, and he goes downstairs. Mm -hmm. And there's this ominous vault Vault. that that appears it's behind a brick wall that's been
1: broken broken open. open. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So he starts shoving all this stuff into this vault, and he's like, "Never again! No more! I've had enough! No yeah. more innocent blood uh, will be spilled!" Uh, along
0: with the doll. The yes, the doll is, the the doll is
2: also thing. in in the uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that gets tossed into this vault. Right. Evidently, there's this force or being that's not very happy with Lewis because
0: Lewis jumps into a freight elevator, and apparently wants to go up to the awesome dry area that isn't nearly as moist as where he's going to go eventually however he ends up going into the sultry confines of hell Uh, after the bottom of the elevator elevator to hell straight to hell right shortly thereafter we meet his niece mickey and a nephew ryan who not surprisingly are two of the three largest characters throughout the series Mm -hmm.
2: yes yes they're very opposites you know uh mickey is very prim very proper Mm -hmm. evidently engaged to a well-to-do lawyer Mm -hmm. ryan uh kind of your uh average late 80s slacker and they have inherited the antique shop from their uncle lewis and they don't even really know each other they know of each other it's not like they grew up together like most cousins do uh, and they weren't even left the property. The, the property had been evidently in probate mm-hmm. for a handful of months, mm-hmm. and they got it by default. Right. Because evidently they're the only relatives that Louis Vanity had.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the two of them show up inside of the old place, look throughout it, and they finally just decide, you know what, it's time to just sell
2: everything. Mm, yeah. It's just
0: not worth the time. So they agree to do that, and that's exactly what happens. They open the door, they th- throw out the sash with the super hot deals and yeah. sign that's... cheap stuff! Come yeah. get it! And they sell almost all of it. That same father that had visited six months previous comes back in and wonders, hey have you still got that china white doll with the tucky muppet mouth? And of course they do! And so they sell it to him.
2: Upon the night of, of selling pretty much everything in the store, they're visited and I don't know why he's wearing... Uh, you know, a medieval cowl and cloak and things like that, but. Uh,
0: it's essentially the cloak <laughs> from Assassin's Creed. Right, yes. Familiar.
2: Yes, before Assassin's Creed was ever dreamt of. Yeah.
0: This is the Friday of the 13th Creed.
2: Yes, this is right. Mickey and Ryan are visited by a man named Jack Marshack, who evidently was an old friend and business partner with Lewis Vanderdee. And upon discovering the ledger that Lewis would keep all the inventory of the the antiques that he sold they pieced together what happened to Lewis he dabbled in black magic sold his soul to the devil had all of these antiques cursed Mm -hmm. and as he sells them he would gain great wealth and immortality so evidently Lewis couldn't do it anymore and that is why the devil visited him and sent him on a one-way trip to hell.
0: Yeah, he came to collect, frankly.
2: It's like uh, uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, break a deal, spin the wheel. <laughs> Only the devil's terms.
0: Yeah. The bottom line here is that all three of them have got to team up together, run through the ledger as an inventory list, and recover the items captured inside of the inventory list again that's one of the best parts of doing this podcast and frankly why i, I consider doing it at all because yeah. this is this is way more about the items mm-hmm. yeah and the recovery thereof than hey let's watch a bunch of horror crap because that's not what happens inside this series at all it's about recovering the items
2: well it's about recovering the items and then discovering what the items actually can do for people yeah you know, that's a, it's, always, it's always, there's a benefit because, you know, of course, this is all cursed and it's the devil. There's a benefit to it, but then there's also the price that must be paid.
0: Right. And speaking of prices, man, this China white doll with the oh. Muppet mouth, deep, steep prices being paid here. The little girl eventually ends up with the doll that eventually ends up killing the pseudo, the pseudo-mom. Stepmommy's dead now. That's two mommies down. Right. Then almost kills the neighbor that comes over to watch the this, little girl that can't take care of herself. This doll is
2: much. no joke. This is Annabelle before Annabelle.
0: Hmm. Well placed. Well placed. Now, according to the details inside the ledger, Mickey and Ryan are able to easily go and find the little girl. One thing leads to another and, of course, the item gets... Recovered! Setting the mood. I think one of the most important things inside this episode that I thought was a home run was they're able to set not only the tone of what the series is trying to portray, but also what you can expect inside many of these episodes, Mm -hmm. which is not this lollipop horror thing that everybody thought this series might be for those that have forgotten this series was actually named something different originally. The
2: name for the show in both Canada and in Europe was Friday's Curse. Mm -hmm. A lot of people actually felt that that was a better name for the show because it's not trying to steal the thunder of the Friday the 13th series Mm -hmm. with Jason Voorhees and Camp Crystal Lake and all that stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of controversy from fans of the films who was like, oh, there's going to be a series. And then they turn on to this and it's like, wh- who are these people? Why are we in the city? Where's yep. the lake? Where's the hockey mask? So that Friday's didn't... Curse was a much more subtle name for a show that was associated with the property, but had nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah. The other thing that it established, really, really super quick, too. For those that forget, this is this is at a time when episodes ran between 44 minutes and 47 minutes. Yeah. So not a lot of time has had a television storytelling. But what it's able to do is introduce you to all of the characters, introduce you to the nature of what's going on with this doll, and then offer you a solution that doesn't feel harried. Wow. And... I I can't tell you how magical that is, so much so that when you and I first started talking about what happens inside of, I think, almost every single one of these episodes, where I instantly turned my attention to was a movie called The Prestige. You've seen The Prestige, I'm assuming, yes? Yes, yes. Okay. One of my favorite movies, obviously, Michael Caine, Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman. David Bowie. David Bowie. It's a phenomenal movie. That is, again, another property that's under so many p- people's radar. Mm-hmm. I don't know how so many people did not see a movie with that kind of star power and that kind of quality. But for those that haven't seen it, there will be a link to go and watch it online uh, inside the show notes for this episode. But go and see this movie. It-, it is a phenomenal movie.
2: Everybody was wasting their time watching The Illusionist, which came out around the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Hollywood for you. Always putting out two, two studios, always putting out a movie that are very product. similar. Yeah and depending on when they came out and how they were marketed one will do better than the other yeah and i and the, the thing is, is that the illusionist is actually a really boring movie
0: it, it the pacing has got some yeah, major there, limitations yeah there's issues. some bad
2: pacing and it's way too much about the love story where the prestige is about magic and is it real and how, how much of it is real, and how much of it, is, of it is science. And
0: Yeah, there's a lot more. There are many more question marks right. inside of what you see inside The Prestige. Uh, you have to also look that it's a it's a Nolan film, which yeah. instantly chalks up the, the notch. So uh, anyway, enough about The Prestige. <laughs> what, where I was going, though, is that inside of that, uh, establishing the setup for magic tricks, there's uh-huh. a wonderful piece inside of that film that mentions is the three parts of a magic trick. It's legend, From Michael Caine, I'm certain that we'll be able to find an online version of the actual little speech that he gives with those three parts. We'll definitely link to it. But the bottom line is, there is the pledge. And the pledge inside of this episode is the actual story setup of what you see here. You meet Uncle Lewis, you are initiated with the doll, you meet the little girl and her her father and her pseudo-mom, and that is the pledge inside of this. Then you got the second portion of any magic trick, which is the turn. Inside of this episode what you got is the killing and the horror of the doll-based antics that you're witness to inside of this. It's one of my favorite parts inside of this whole thing because all of the horror is absolutely well placed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's nothing campy at all inside of this and you think to yourself, okay, well, you know, this could just turn into another child's play where you got Chucky running around in a multicolor outfit. Well, this doll that they've gotten, it's this stark white really creepy ass looking doll. Oh yeah. They really, really did a a really great job of that. The last piece of any magic trick is of course the prestige, which is what they named that film. And inside of this episode, the prestige turns out to be the actual recovery of the doll. Mm. And I don't remember enough of the other episodes because I, I haven't seen them in decades. Right, yeah. But if they follow this same pattern inside of it, I'm trying to understand how this series could possibly suck. <laughs> most
2: of the episodes, uh, where my memory is concerned, most of the episodes do end with either the recovery of the item. Mm-hmm. And if they don't recover the item, it's because something terrible has happened. Mm. And I think that that's few and far between. But mostly it's, okay, another another cursed object has been tossed into the vault successfully.
0: Falling to hell. So if they never found a body, how is he dead?
2: Exactly. It's, it is kind of weird. They're, they never come out and say... That he's missing because that would have to be what it, what happened. Yeah. It's he's missing, and then after a while he'd be presumed dead. Mm-hmm. But everybody just says, Oh no, Uncle Lewis is dead. Yeah. Just just dead. Mm-hmm. And we do know that there's a six-month time period in this episode because the father from the beginning of the episode, who wanted to buy the doll then, comes back to want to buy the doll six months later. Yeah. A- and we also know that Mickey and Ryan weren't left. The store in like a will or anything. Mm-hmm. It was in probate for a while, and they won it by default. Yeah, because there was nobody else to give it to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I don't want to nitpick here, mm-hmm. but storytelling wise, I think it would be a little bit more interesting had they said, "Well, he disappeared and he's been presumed dead." Yeah, and and now it, we have to deal with all of his his belongings and all yeah. this stuff.
0: There's two things here. I I think what I take from this is one. It, it shows you where a, a definitively more intelligent audience is now available and that a tiny little notation like that inside of the script writing would have infinitely helped and then just yeah. allowed you to pass right by it inside of pacing.
2: One line of dialogue One line. would One line. have You're fixed done. everything. Yeah. Right.
0: The second thing here is that inside of a world, in a world, <laughs> where everybody thinks everything can be solved in 47 minutes, in particular inside of the last four and a half minutes, Inside of a world where fingerprints take 35 seconds, everybody's looking for way more factoids because, well, you can get them right now. Okay, well, back then.
2: Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It
0: was not the case.
2: We got to send this to the lab.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I work with a lot of law enforcement individuals on a variety of podcasts. And one of the neat things that you can talk about, especially inside of these classic films inside of the 80s, is how things were depicted back then many of them are just so over the top, not how it works Yeah. that this obviously is one of those things. And we're again, we're, to use Nick's favorite term, Nick picking, but it is something I wanted to make sure we talked about because how much time passes by and what one line of dialogue could have helped with. Mm. Adding horrific elements appropriately. Again, as someone that does not like horror in general, I think it's just because I don't want to stack on my plate a bunch of things that I don't want to have bad dreams about. Right. Finding things that are going to stoke my mind, especially as we've structured this podcast, which, by the way, folks, for those that are curious about anything that Nick and I do together, we typically talk about about five or six times more things. Oh, yeah. That are inside of this podcast that are encapsulated in about six things. But it's to be expedient on the episode to run through a very large library. The gist here is that adding the horrific elements throughout this story appropriately so that it doesn't fall into Chuckyville and that there is no time inside of this. Even when the little girl is laughing mm, yeah, that you laugh. There's, there is none of that. There isn't any of that, you know, where they either have stabby piano sounds or an inappropriate clarinet playing mm. or they don't have any of that where it's campy and over the top and the front load of this episode. And I think that that's incredibly appropriate because this is horrific. This is a doll, a child's play thing, enchanting a child to then go and murder. Mm -hmm. Not funny. And I love that they're able to depict that inside of this appropriately because we don't get that nowadays. If this series were remade and they're going to take kind of one-to-one elements, I guarantee you there would be many of the like where the the doll's neck snaps from front to back Yeah, and all kinds of like the hair whipping around and you know, kind of the, the Dutch angles and the, the lightning crashes and the doll's eyes lighting up or something goofy where it would make you go. You look at it and you would laugh uncomfortably because that's what you're programmed to do now, mm-hmm. as opposed to being horrified by what you're seeing. And I think that this episode does a wonderful job of making horrific, horrific.
2: It does for the most part. Me being more of a horror connoisseur, I have to say, the first time the doll hissed, I laughed. Sure. Because I was not expecting a doll to hiss at me. Right. But as the episode continues, you realize, oh, oh, this doll's serious.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the only thing that was missing was maybe some sort of a sound effect where... You know, whenever she's enchanting the stuffed animals, and then go and attack the neighbor.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the
0: where where again, it is just the little dog going. Shh. I get it. No, right, right,
2: and th- that's that's the thing. This this show was done cheap. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean this is the eighties, This is the eighty late eighties. Yeah, this is a horror show in syndication. Of course, it's going to be done as cheaply as it possibly can. Yeah. I, I can forgive I can I can forgive a lot especially sure. if it has good storytelling yeah, yeah. which this
0: has yes the child is completely encapsulated by the doll's evil I hate to say this because it's really it's something I don't want to say but I love that the child is encapsulated by the doll's evil ie this is not some innocent thing girl right that is somehow tricked into doing something by this doll there is an element of something really dark inside of this little girl Mm -hmm. and it's portrayed wonderfully in fact i think almost twisting to the other end so and that it's there's nothing accidental going on here no no when you have the first conversation with mary inside the antique store originally There is no doubt that there is something very serious going on when it comes to not feeling it when it comes to her pseudo-mom. Like, seriously. Right. It's it's oil and water.
2: You can tell she's a spoiled little brat.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I Just by the
2: way that she plays with stuff, as Lewis is telling her, don't touch that. She is deliberately doing stuff to piss people off. Yeah.
0: And I I love that they're able and willing, at least back then, to do things like that. Because other than maybe showcasing some stuff inside of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory originally, I don't think that they do this appropriately anymore. Very often it's the child's Mm -hmm. accidentally put into a scenario. That or the child is so over the top negative slash evil that it just doesn't make any sense. This provides you the sense of menace, which falls squarely into that appropriately horrific completely here. I love that.
2: And you have to also think about a child her age, because let's say she's probably about eight or nine years old. A child's mental development is still learning. Yes, they should know the difference between right and wrong. They don't understand the consequences of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for a spoiled child like that, who usually gets what she wants, now given a, a, a friend, a new friend who talks to her and wants to give her whatever she wants. All you got to do is get rid of these obstacles, Mary, and I'll help you do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that she, that Mary is evil, but at that age she is susceptible to an outside source that is more appealing than her parental figures, her stepmother and her father. Mm-hmm. And Who I
0: continually think, tell her not to do things. Exactly. Right. And I yeah. think
2: I think that's scarier
0: yeah, I agree. than
2: somebody being possessed or somebody who's just inherently evil. Yeah. Because it shows you how easily manipulated a child can be.
0: Yeah. And
2: I, that is just that's horrifying.
0: Yeah. and I think you've struck it perfectly on the head is that if given the ability to do the horrific to get what you want, what would a child do? Mm. And the sad reality is exactly what you see here. Yeah. The immunity factor of the family. This was very interesting. They're inside of the spinny merry-go-round, which was, which was awesome. The only thing that was missing was like a Arnold Schwarzenegger inside of Total Recall moment. When, it, when he's like holding on to the rail and his feet are dangling backwards as the as the merry-go-round is spinning that's the only thing that was missing here that might have made this cooler is if all all three of them are holding on and what i said was why doesn't the guy just let go and it would instantly knock off the kid end or the doll uh. and uh that would have been fun it was the only piece that was missing but what i am curious about is after he recovers the doll he grabs the doll right takes the doll and knocks the knocks the little girl off the off the merry-go-round Yeah. and so he's holding the doll and what i thought inherently would happen is that the evil that soaked into her would also eventually or begin start to soak into ryan mm. and what what i love about things like this it, it happened a lot inside of this period of time inside of television, was that you instantly start asking questions that you need answers to, but you don't have the answers yet. Right. And that's what makes you want to tune into the television series mm-hmm. again, because eventually something more will be divulged to make your light bulb moment happen.
2: Right. Well, I mean, with this being the first episode, one would believe that there is a uh, show Bible that would have a lot of yeah. the ins and outs of how the series would go. But even, even with that, they're still working on the rules of their universe. Yeah. And the only way that I could write this off, and again, I don't know if this is a positive or a negative, because right. again, it's the first episode. Mm-hmm. One would believe that the evil, the curse, was connected between Mary and the doll. And I'd like to point out that Mary, the, uh, the actress playing Mary, is actually uh, Sarah Polly. Who grows up to be quite a uh, quite a name in Canada and here in the states from for a movie uh, called Go, but for me personally, she was uh, the main character in uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake, mm. which just blows the most crappy zombie movies out yeah. of the was water. Was that
0: the revisit to them all? That- yes, yes, yes okay. that was that was them doing yeah.
2: uh, that. I believe that the connection once it's severed, just stops all of the hoodoo voodoo. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And and that's really all, all that I can. Uh, that's
0: uh, the the cool part <sighs> is that I'm okay with that, and, and you know, I'm okay with that you, too. Yeah. You know, you know why I'm okay with it? Because back in the back in the middle '80s, before everything had to have three sequels, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, the stories would just end, and now you get something else. Right. And I think that might be the other encapsulation of why I appreciate these episodes is because these are way more about being way more Twilight Zone esque. Mm than they are about being about some stupid horror movie. And I've always appreciated, regardless of the content, regardless of the ilk, regardless of the generation... Those series that put themselves into the vein of what goes on inside of *Twilight Zone*—it's why so many things inside of the new streaming services that didn't even exist back in the 80s right. are now so successful. The ones that I can think—we're actually
2: getting a resurgence of the of the anthology shows. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it's huge. There's a there's a variety that we'll link to inside the show notes for this episode. The one that I can think of, just off the top of my head, and there's a couple, uh, is *Black Mirror*.
1: Mm, and yes. it's
0: something I think we're five or six episodes into whatever the hell the season one is. I, I I don't know the structure of it good enough to, to to be able to explain it to people, but there are a series of episodes inside of that that I'm telling you are a class number one episodes, oh, yeah. and they fall squarely into the it's not quite horrific, but what I love about the Black Mirror stuff is that it's all got that super technology bend, mm-hmm. and I well you really, know
2: why it's really called really Black Mirror, that. right? No. I'm holding up my cell phone to, uh, to Mike right now. What do you see?
0: I see chubby fingers.
2: Well, no, you see a black mirror. Oh. That's why it's called Black Mirror. It's, the, it's when your device is off. Okay. Because all of the episodes are technology-based.
0: Oh, I got you. They, okay. will,
2: they will have some sort of root in technology. Uh, I, I'm like it, four. Still, I, I think I'm like four seasons into the show. And <clears throat> oh wow! It's, okay. It is it, uh, wow. I mean, some of them are depressing as hell. Some of them are shocking.
0: Hmm. I I've, I've again, I'm only four or five episodes into the very first season of it, and so I I'm definitely not steeped in it. Hmm. What I did really really like, though, you realize that Agent Carter is featured inside of one. I Unpack. I
2: know. Okay. I know. I knew you'd like that episode. It's extraordinary. <laughs> it's extraordinary.
0: Uh, for those that are curious and want to know more about my absolute adornment of She Who Plays...
2: Oh, Haley Atwell. Agent Carter.
0: Anyway, uh, to find out more about why I love me some Agent Carter and Haley Atwell, make sure you check out our link inside the show notes of this to the coverage that Nick and I created inside of our... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast inside of We Absolutely Adore Haley Atwell slash Agent Carter reviews that are in tandem with our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reviews over at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV. The last thing that I want to add in about the immunity factor that deals specifically with what's going on with Ryan mm. inside of the Recovery of the Doll is... Almost all of the effects inside of this are practical effects. Mm. It really does make the difference. It showcases what was available back then, including the flying around uh, pieces of merchandise that obviously are items that we're either going to find or accidentally be glanced upon inside a future episode. Yes,
2: they were translucent and flying around. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely tell. They do not hold up to today's standards. But again, remember, this was 1987. Yeah,
0: and for those that are curious, we're not going to wail on all of the effects that look reasonably, hey, look, it's 1987, 88, 89. We're not going to dig in super hard on that because that's just what it is. Right. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to look at it and judge whether you think it's good enough for yourself because we're not going to harp on all of it. Good, good. Well, we're running long inside this episode review of the first episode of Friday the 13th, this series, Season 1, Episode 1, The Inheritance. We will be right back.
1: The hunt is still on for the growing number of enchanted items. Return immediately to help us complete the journey. Right after these messages. Wouldn't it be cool
2: if your advertising could last forever? real impact thanks to Perpetual Advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique Perpetual Advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors.
1: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm one-stop shop for voiceover needs check it out now by accessing the voice farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com
0: when it comes to security and law enforcement procedures there's no such thing as too much information Come get your free helping of free field training from Officer Tommy Model
2: at FreeFieldTraining.com. That's FreeFieldTraining.com. What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore, all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares you? Only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com
1: The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug, www.podcastbug.com. And now back to the Curious Goods Podcast.
0: Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, The Series. This time, Season 1, Episode 1, The Inheritance. Every time Mike and
2: I come back from break on the Curious Goods Podcast, we like to
0: talk about our curious goods. But curious Goods is where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling point inside this episode, or something else that tripped our collective night. Fantastic, Nick. What do you got?
2: My curious good for the first episode of this season. I love the character of Jack Marshack.
0: You just like him because of the name.
2: Well, he's got a great name
0: and a and a, and a great accent for it, the first that, thirty seconds. That comes seconds.
2: in and out. It's fine. It's okay. Chris Wiggins, there's something about his character that Mm -hmm. actually adds legitimacy to the concept of the show. Yes, I totally agree. When he starts giving exposition, I know that I'm getting exposition, Mm -hmm. but I don't care Care. that I'm getting exposition because, wow, he's telling me exposition in a very interesting way. Yeah. And if memory serves, that's how it pretty much is in every single episode of this show. Yeah. He is the one, he's the sage. He is the one that has the answers that Mickey and Ryan, uh, they just don't. This is a brand new world to them. They Mm -hmm. don't know anything about the occult or anything else like that. Mm -hmm. Jack is there to show them the way. And... A character like that, I'm always, in, in any property, it doesn't matter whether it's a movie, a television series, or a book, a comic book, whatever. Characters like that, I am always I always gravitate to. So, Jolly Jack Marshak is my Curious Good.
0: I think that's very well placed. Uh, again, he has such a, a fantastic draw throughout this entire series. I, I, I literally can't imagine the series without him. The two Utes.
2: The two Utes
0: could not carry What's the program. What's a Ute? Yeah. The two the, the two Utes could not carry the program.
2: Right. If so it was, yeah, if it was just Mickey and, and, and it, Ryan. It and. would have died very quickly. Right.
0: Anyway, my curious good inside this episode has got to be watching a mother, even though you don't like her, die. Death scenes, as both you and I can attest to inside of acting, are something that are so incredibly easy. To botch.
2: Oh, yes.
0: And what I really appreciated about the death scene inside of this is that the doll literally sucks the life out of the pseudo mom inside mm-hmm. of this episode. Right. And it is horrific. There isn't any of that Jabba. Eh, 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 eh. There isn't any of that. Yeah. It is a horrific scene and it's done terribly appropriately, so that you'd never want to see it again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that, that's how you're going to get people, is by doing things like that. As a runner-up, it was almost funny until you start seeing the cuts on her face, but the, the, the 45 records... And again, for those half of you that are listening, you're going, I don't understand the concept of a 45 record.
2: Well, you know what? Actually, since they're actually coming back in style. Oh, are they really? Well, no, because uh, vinyl is coming back in style. Okay. So a 45 should not be as alien. It's very retro, man.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, for those of us that are tuning in (laughs) that are retro, says the currently 48-year-old. Jesus, I'm old. Anyway, uh, for those of you that are retro and, and dig what we're talking about, man. Okay, that's great. Uh, For those that don't have any idea what I'm talking about, it's okay, it's okay, because you can go to the show notes to learn all about 45 records. Anyway, the the runner-up curious good inside of this for me is those 45 records being thrown at the old lady that don't just glance off of her arms or off of her head or whatever, they do damage.
2: Yeah, they're cutting her face.
0: Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that because it gets my brain going like, oh yeah, well, she's just an old lady and she kind of fell over. Except for the cuts on her face. <laughs> the cuts on her
2: face and the, the marks on her neck where she was being strangled. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and, and the all, broken
0: neck from the and, from the and, fallen, now not fallen. Right.
2: And and shelving. throughout the
0: whole time, the
2: little girl is laughing about yeah. it.
0: And, and, you and I for talked a little bit both about Both times. Yes. yes, absolutely. And it's not the laughing, like, and now you laugh with the girl. It's not. It's where you look at her and you go, not right.
2: Yeah. What, what, There's something what's wrong not with right.
0: You? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that is my Curious Good for this episode. We're wondering what you thought was curiously good inside this episode. Tell us what you think by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think.
2: Vocabulary.
0: A really fun segment, because for those that don't know me... I have no vices. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't have anything. The only thing I've got is my absolute junkiedom of vocabulary. Mm. And so inside this episode, there are three words that I want to focus on inside of this episode that need our absolute attention. The first one, of course, is netherworld. Netherworld. For those of you that are typically inside of the horror vein, well, hell, you got it all the time. But for me, I don't ever have that word. In fact, uh, being a former sign language interpreter myself, I don't actually know what I would use for the netherworld. Is that hell? Is that just like the in-between world? What is
2: it? Yeah, uh, well, I'm, depending on what uh, religion you're talking about or what mythology you're talking about, the okay. netherworld can either be like limbo, the the, the space in between, whether, uh, whether you go to heaven or hell. Uh, sometimes it can be another realm completely. Uh, I know in... Uh, certain comic books that deal with uh, the mystic arts and the occult. Uh, the netherworld is a level of limbo, a level of hell with only one L, you know, things like that.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That's the first word. Our second word,
2: diablerie.
0: Jack spryly uses this word along with an English accent, at least for a couple of minutes inside of this episode. And it's something I have never heard in my life. I've never heard this word.
2: I'm right there with you. I've never heard that word used. I've heard of Diablo, which is you know the devil in Spanish, but I've never heard of diablerie.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very well used. And again, with the accidental English accent spilled inside of Jack's character inside this episode, it really does hit a very curious point, especially for me because I have never heard that word. That brings us to our final word that everyone must stop and pay attention to while watching this episode. Bro. That's right. The sisters. The dual guns for ladies. Nobody had the couple of catcher's mitch slash over-the-shoulder boulder holster, and someone needed one terribly inside this episode.
2: Well, that could be debatable.
0: I agree with that.
2: I mean, I'm not being sexist here, but... I believe one of the reasons why Roby was cast on this show is that she is easy on the eyes. Oh,
0: smoking hot! for for those For those that either have no idea, you happen to be listening to this podcast and have listened because it's Nick and I, whatever, uh, and have never seen Roby, you guys need to go check out the picture of Roby that we'll post inside the show notes for this episode.
2: She was a, a very a, a absolutely smoking exquisite,
0: smoking hot
2: woman. I'm I married a redhead, so. <laughs> You know, it's.
0: Uh, she's gorgeous. She's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. She she was gorgeous back then. She's aged into a wonderfully gorgeous older lady now.
2: Product of the times. Yes. Yeah. You know, sometimes you didn't wear a bra in the late '80s. You know that it was a, it was a personal choice. I support her, even though she had no support on her. <laughs>
0: Anyway, those are the vocabulary words for this episode. We want to know if you guys found one that we missed here inside of this listing. Again, go over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what other valuable vocabulary we missed. Alright, so it's time for the rating. The rating for this program works thusly. A 1, down at the bottom of the scale, along with the sisters, apparently. A 10 is on top of the scale, the top of the heap, the cream of the terrible Friday the 13th crop. Everything starts at 7, which is an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? For this
2: being the first episode of a series and them still getting their feet wet in the mythology in which they want to play in, I, I would have to say that most characters were well-rounded enough upon being introduced. You know, Mickey is very uptight and totally a skeptic. Ryan is kind of flighty and flies by the seat of his pants. Jack is your, your stoic I don't want to call him the father figure, but your leader figure, your 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 mentor figure, for that for that uh, also with a lot of the practical effects, and even though this uh, this was dated, I would definitely give this first episode. Uh, it's a solid eight. It's it's not it's not average because there were a couple of times where I was caught off guard by what happened in the episode. I was like, whoa, for 1987, d- damn. I mean, you could get away with a lot of stuff today, but this was 1987, so so yeah, I would definitely give this first episode an eight.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great number for this episode. I was ready to give it a seven because I wanna, I wanna, I wanna make sure people understand the quality of this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, having talked to enough people during the week to share with them, half of them didn't know what the hell I was talking about right. because they weren't alive yet. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
2: Or some of them were too busy. Watching other anthology shows, there were a yeah. lot of anthology yeah. shows going on at this point in time. Yeah.
0: That, or I'll tell you what—I mean, the, just like me, there's a bunch of people that would have seen Friday the Thirteenth and just skipped by it. No, that's I, true. I, true. I, I, I'm telling you that if my dad had not watched this, I probably would have skipped this too because I just—I didn't have the interest. Mm. I didn't have the interest at all. Uh, the, the just as I was going to give this episode a seven, but uh, the things that you call into question, I think, are incredibly valid, especially that what they were doing back then during a late-night-based episodic television series was way up there. And so I, too, am going to give this episode an 8. That's where we ask you guys, what are you giving this episode, the very first episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 1, The Inheritance? Let us know what you think. Again, go over to our website. It's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click on the Contact button on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the short web form. Make sure you also tell us where you heard about this podcast. One of the one of the things I always cringe on is that someone will drop us some feedback, but they never tell us about where they found us. Yeah. Whether it's from one of the other products that Nick and I put together, or it's something else that you found inside of another podcast or television program or newspaper article or whatever, we want to know how you find out about this podcast. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts.
2: Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host.
0: Regardless of whether or not your China White doll talks to you and murders, we look forward to seeing you, hopefully, during the next episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. See you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. You'd be
0: surprised if you really tried that, how fast you'll hurt yourself. I need to be careful with that. All right. (laughs) All right, enough of the silliness. Nick, enough of the housekeeping. Blah. Hold on, i got to stop laughing.
2: This is a serious show, man. I know, I know. There's a doll that hisses at people and kills them. (laughs) Killer Mary.